0: How yeah. do we get hyped? Um, Podcast hype. Podcast hype. <laughs> <laughs>
1: worker for the first time ever today. Oh, cool. Um, it didn't seem like it was marketed towards workers, <laughs> I'll say that. Ma- ma- not marketed towards what? Not marketed towards workers. It seemed oh, like so. it was marketed towards, like, Mike oh. McNair, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
0: very, um... <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Like, it's really yeah. by intellectuals, for the most part. Yeah. And and uh, quite good, acclaimed intellectuals. Yeah, 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 quite good, quite good, quite good, quite good, good. <laughs> quite good.
1: Um, quite good, intellectuals. What happened this week? I have no idea anything that happened this week. How are you
0: doing? I'm um, all right. <laughs> what happened? This what is
1: happened gonna be before? this is gonna be a high energy I mean, podcast. I mean, yeah, high
0: energy. <laughs> I'm feeling hyped. <laughs> I'm feeling enthusiastic. Woo! I was going to ask you quite seriously. Oh God! I just, uh, um, I was curious to know what your your general thoughts are on um, the man that is. what your thoughts (laughs) are on the person Aaron Sorkin Aaron Sorkin Mm.
1: I don't think I've ever seen anything oh no I've seen The Social Network which he did
0: Uh, did he direct that I don't know know. I have really no idea I have really no
1: idea that's it that's all I know him from Mm. and it seemed like the movie you would expect for Hollywood making a movie about Mark Zuckerberg so I don't know what about you
0: I was I I watched um, The Trial of the Chicago 8 recently which is a new Netflix film about did he do that he did. I, did. I think he wrote and directed. Yeah. Wow. Um, and yeah, it just sort of set me thinking because I have watched The West Wing mm. and quite enjoyed it at the time. Uh, I mean, it's it's meant to be the favourite of liberals, and I was probably a liberal yeah. at the time, so uh, I was probably its perfect demographic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it's um, the, the, this most recent this most recent film, The Trial of the Chicago Eight, I enjoyed quite a lot, and it has all of those sort of sorkin elements. Trump's. Classics. Yeah, yeah it's so like sorkin yes, yeah, smart talking Quick talking uh-huh. Dialogue that's not really Natural or real But uh-huh. I really quite enjoy it And that's what I quite enjoyed About The West Wing as well It's kind of like It's theatrical and comical And like It's yeah. non-human It's not particularly real mm-hmm. But there is something Sort of like Attractive and endearing and Is it Maybe
1: is, is The West Wing serious?
0: Is it a drama? I don't yes. know okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah But it's got it's, I like... mean, it's got enough like comic Yeah It's got enough Sort of comic beats Um to keep you going. Sure, I'm very dependent on comic, t- not comic timing, um, <laughs> comic relief. Uh-huh. If yeah, a movie exactly. has yeah. absolutely no comic relief and yeah. its subject matter is sufficiently bleak, mm. I'm just like I'm just distro- I'm just wrecked by it. Yeah, I really need some amount of like comic relief in just yeah. about everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't work out whether this in the *Trial of the Chicago* eight. I couldn't work out whether the comic relief or the comicness of some of the characters was complementary. Or whether it was a good juxtaposition against the violence of the riots and yeah. what the police did to the protesters yeah. in 68, or whether it was... I mean, I didn't feel like the film um, focused enough on the level of violence that was sort of perpetrated by the police. I don't think I felt like it didn't sufficiently blame the police. Yeah. Although it did not blame <laughs> the police, I think. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, they weren't the good guys, presumably. I'm sorry? They weren't the good they guys. They were not the good guys, no. <laughs> um but it's it's but like it's it's sorkin's um i mean it's probably an obvious enough point but it does feel like this was a very good example of um what aaron sorkin does which is he has all of his characters speak toward Mm. one truth kind of thing like Uh even if people are seemingly representing different positions there's always a reconciliation sure yeah yeah, everything always sort of like coalesces around one sort of Point to the point where it feels like the film is speaking with one voice, and all of these characters just sort of add to it. So even when there's any amount of conflict between characters, um, it all sort of reconciles to some extent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, go back to episode one.
0: Yes. Yeah, where we talk about liberal view of conflict. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the plug in. So it relate. felt like it, like it, it did, it did some. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know anything about the actual characters. I'd only ever heard mm. of Abbie Hoffman and had never really sort of, like, uh, come across him as a character kind of thing. And he yeah. was obviously the perfect, and um, whoever the other person, the other character depicted, or the other real person depicted in the film, one of his collaborators in the Yippie movement, mm. they're perfect sort of Sorkin characters. in that They're, sure, um, yeah. they're comic by their nature and by the, by the nature of the politics or the political actions that they took. Um, mm. But... Um, but even even Hoffman I don't know what actually happened in the courtroom when that trial was actually happening, but sort of even sort of even Hoffman is sort of bent round toward speaking to the sort of liberal yeah. point of view. There's a point when he's on the stand toward the end and sort of like yeah. um likens uh the four year election cycle in America to being equivalent to the revolutionary overthrow of the government kind oh, wow. of thing. <laughs> to, the, wow. to the point where it's like, his advocacy wow. of revolution, uh, he's, he's saying that like, um, uh, yeah, I might speak to revolution or the founding fathers might have sort of like um, spoke about the importance of uh, the potentiality of a revolutionary overthrow of the government, but he says that revolutionary we overthrow, well, actually it happens every four years when we elect oh, out the Now God, whether he worse. said that, whether he would have de- sort of like whether he did actually contend that idea I have no idea because I don't actually know sure. very much about the actual event <laughs> sure. but, but it was one of these like take the most sort of clownishly radical take here, here, here throughout the movie is depicted the most belligerent character in the courtroom the person that's most willing to stick his finger up against authority uh. and then by the end sort of bend him to the point where he's in basically the same position of, gotcha. as his his counterparts on, on who were all, the other characters who were also being tried who were much more kind of like liberal in their politics yeah um. yeah I don't know anyway
1: why are we even doing a Marxist podcast then if that's the case we get a revolution every four years yeah. my god why are we even trying Jesus yeah. Yeah, I had yeah, no yeah, idea yeah, yeah. big revolution uh, this year um, boy
0: we so did it I watched that film
1: yeah I probably I've had many people tell me to watch it and I probably won't watch it um, just because people tell me to watch a lot of things and I just don't really watch it yeah I don't trust people
0: it's just like what, what am I going to do sit down and watch it I don't know
1: yeah.
0: That's <laughs> fair know. enough. That's fair enough.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's too much content.
0: Too yeah. much content. Oh yeah, you can't yeah, I mean that's that's sort of what I feel about some some fields of things like graphic novels. <laughs> Wait a minute, are we making a podcast? We're making, we're, making <laughs> we're making content. Well we're like making premiere content, which <laughs> Stro- should sort of like premier premier should content, be huh? up on up, high up on people's lists. That's true. Yeah, this is the best kind of yeah. content. If you are time poor <laughs>
1: true on your way to do things we'll condense it all we'll just
0: condense all possible content into one yeah this is the the, the perfect synthesis (laughs) yeah um Um, welcome i don't know
1: to auxiliary statements i had a a moment today oh first i'm jack i'm Dan. there we go um i had a moment today where i forgot if it was statements or statement because i (laughs) i didn't i I didn't know if it was up on google Podcasts, so i had to search for it i was like auxiliary state I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> is it statement or statements? <laughs> it's statements, and the answer is yes, it's on Google Podcasts, if any of you freaks are using that, nice. it's there. Don't know why, we have one listen on Google Podcasts, oh, don't you know, know who that You know one's. who you are? <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> well, that was on the first episode and haven't been back since, so maybe they don't uh, know, know who they, don't they know. are.
0: <laughs> they don't know who they are. Yeah. Um, No, We shall never know.
1: Yeah. Uh, good week for you, yeah. question mark?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's yeah, all right one of those winter is setting in winter is setting in everything gets more and more bleak by the day it, does. it just gets darker and darker
1: i went for a walk at like 1 today and the light had already changed and i was just like oh. yeah there was a
0: day the other day when it didn't seem to get light at all yeah, yeah i like, know we've gone Oof. from dark to overcast to yeah some new type of darkness again Oof. and um I'm, I'm finding that i both have a massive surplus of evening yeah I, I know it's just yeah. suddenly the evening but also yeah. i f- don't find any productive way of actually spending it yeah so i'm both sort of frustrated yeah i'm frustrated on both ends of the spectrum yeah kind i know of it was funny yeah <laughs> i have no time no I, I i like i have too much time and also it's sort of fleeting somehow at yeah. the same time
1: i know today we're recording a little bit later than we usually do and i was like it, it, it's like six thirty p.m. right now, and when I texted Dan, I was like, "Oh, we might have to do it a little bit later. Uh, let's do it at six 30 I was like, "God damn, it, that's so late. It's been dark for hours. <laughs> yeah. Why did I say that?" It's
0: supposed to be tucked up. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: God, um, warding off the I mean, warding like off the, the demons, um, demons in the in the winter. Um, speaking of demons, uh-huh. speaking of winter, speaking of Aaron Sorkin, uh-huh. uh, this week, Dan, we're talking a little fantasy. We're talking a little uh a little sword and sandal adventures. We're talking a little sci-fi. Um, and we're we're kinda having a break from the hard stuff here. Mm. We're uh we're we're doing I also forgot the name of this. We're doing Why Fantasy Matters Too Much, was it which is an essay by Jack Zipes, who I like quite a bit because Jack Zipes, I came across him, he's kinda like, I don't know what you'd call him, maybe like a literary theorist, maybe like a how he likes fairy tales. He's kind of a bit of a freak. But he's a Marxist, kind of like literary theorist, cultural theorist, my kind of freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and this essay, Why Fantasy Matters Too Much, published in 2009 in the Journal of Aesthetic Education, which is a University of Illinois thing, I guess, Um and yeah, we're talking about it. It's only... It's not very long. Um, that's why It's kind of one of the reasons I suggest we do it.
0: But <laughs> we needed a break. We needed a, we needed we needed a, bit, needed a bit of a bit break. Of break. Yeah, yeah. Um, a departure from the norm again. Yeah, Another yeah departure exactly. From the
1: norm. <laughs> from what we usually do. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack Sipes, I came across him because he'd written quite a... Well, not quite a bit, but he'd written a bit about Tolkien kind of seriously. He's very inspired by the, like, uh, Frankfurt School cultural theory stuff, the Adornos, Horkheimers, but specifically kind of a lesser-known... Um, there is named Ernst Block. We'll talk a little bit about in this. Um, but yeah, this was a weird one because I, like I said, I like Jack sipes I like what he talks about. I like fantasy, obviously. Um, and combining like Marxism with fantasy and Marxism with like his previous work where he talks a bit about Tolkien, I was just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. somebody's done this. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I can't believe it. Um, but it was interesting because I don't know how there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't think I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, nice, I struggled. Yeah. There's a bit where quite a bit of it is him recounting the plots of um, things I haven't read and don't really plan on reading <laughs> to make his point. Um, but there was there was there were some gems in the rough. I think, um, like I said, I do like Jack Zipes. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see where this conversation goes because it is. I was having a really hard time, even though I'd read this before and kind of picked it apart a bit. I was having a hard time going from kind of like more. I mean, I hesitate to kind of. Call sociology like a hard science, but more like hard sciencey stuff like economics and um, political theory to cultural theory, mm-hmm. right? I found that pretty jarring. Like going from last week talking about the origin of capitalism mm-hmm. and like you know uh, arbitrage, which I've not pro- realized that's how it's pronounced. Not arbitrage, which I found a little bad? fancy. I Well, I looked up the definition and then like hit play on the definition. They said arbitrage, so there you go. Well, I don't
0: know. Uh, I don't want to contest that.
1: All right, well, maybe that was the like an American dictionary. We okay. can call it arbitrage. I think it's a little fancy. Um, but yeah, it was hard going from that to this. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, I had a similar experience. It's definitely written um, in a sort of cultural studies style. It's fancy. It's fancy. It starts with an anecdote. It's, fa- it's fancy, it's fancy. Uh, and um, I think there are some, some con- concessions to um, to an effort to present good prose sure, that yeah, actually yeah. sometimes miscommunicate what's intended I agree. to communicate. I absolutely agree uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and I think one of my main issues with that will come to it with this piece, but I think that might have been the reason that it kind of tripped me up, because I think, I oh, will get to it, but there's a bigger point that I was like confused by it, and I yeah. think it's exactly that Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and uh, uh, going from the, the wood the <laughs> Mixins' wood book uh um where every every premise is meticulously laid out yeah it takes a little while they are in there in this in this essay um he does sort of define define his premises um he does define some terms but when i was just starting to read it i was like there's a lot of slip slippage here between terms going on there's sort of there's there's fantasy um exactly yeah there's i can't remember what the other one is Anyway, he talks, the other he talks about desire, which yeah. doesn't really get a very good definition. There's some talk of um, imagination, yeah, but there's not. A, there is a little bit of effort to distinguish fantasy from imagination, um, and as you say, it just feels like it's grounded in a kind of speculation, and and not grounded in anything more than that kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh, funny. so it's meant yeah. to be. It's meant to be speaking to a common experience, but if. Um, if you don't share that common experience of um, what whatever is w- the human act of fantasy, um, or if you come at it uh, with different sort of like uh, connotations, um, a lot yeah a lot of it revolves around um, sort of like uh, his interpretation of what a common understanding of what fantasy is yeah and I think I, to some extent I was coming from a different place like I, my yeah, same, sort of like yeah. colloquial or my um, normal use of fantasy is quite different. is is a kind of like personal psychological, as a personal psychological term, um, and it, it is informed more by sort of psychoanalysis and that kind of thing uh, than it is um, a sort yeah. of general creative act, which seems to be more in line with what he's angling at, right? Yeah. Um, and but but that that distinction is in this piece to some extent because um uh, there is a sort of dichotomy presented between fantasy as being liberatory or uh, opening the way toward um helping with sort of liberatory creative thinking and thought uh, and um utopian thinking to some extent mm. um but it is also depicted as something which is um you yeah, lose exactly, mm. and has the potential to either sort of pr- promote the norm uh, and the status quo when it's when it's coming as a kind of like cult- when cultural when cultural products have a fantasy element, but when they're sort of like um Spectacles. when 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 when, when, when cultural products are designed to support the status quo but still use fantasy elements to do that. Hmm. um yeah but there is also the sort of like personal act of fantasy which seems to be quite a lot to do with um constructing a stable world in which you can exist in kind of thing there's an an extent to which fantasy um helps one cope with the world rather than makes one want to rebel against it yeah Um, absolutely but they they but it's but it it is an interesting distinction um and one really worth talking about and thinking about Mm. um and, and it's, it's, it's a dichotomy that's quite... They're, they're not they're not extremely opposed terms kind of thing. I think there's probably quite a lot of slippage between sure. the two, and you can be doing one and then you can be doing it's the other. It's like, yeah, exactly. also yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, we
1: will get to the piece, literally, meaning that we'll like quote some stuff from it and talk about <laughs> it. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to quote something completely different. Um, so I'm going to quote a little... You might have heard of this guy, a little Karl Marx. Um, and I'm going to quote... Something from uh, when he was working with the IWA, the International Working Men's Association. Um, this is from the Instructions for the Delegates of the Provisional General Council, titled The Different Questions, right? And so here he's talking about cooperatives. He done a
0: deep dive. You've I've done deep. a bit of a
1: deep dive. Deep. And uh, you'll see where I'm going with this, hopefully, in just a second. I'm excited. So this is from the section titled Cooperatives. He says, we acknowledge the cooperative movement as one of the transforming forces of the present society based upon class antagonism. <clears throat> Its great merit is to practically show that the present pauperizing and despotic system of the subordination of labor to capital can be superseded by the republican and beneficent system of the association of free and equal producers. Restricted, however, to the dwarfish forms into which individual wage slaves can elaborate it by their private efforts, the cooperative system will never transform capitalist society. So the point that he's making there is, you know, he's kind of like, we support cooperatives because they show people that there's a different way of doing things, right? But he said that the cooperative itself isn't an alternative because it's basically still the same things. To say nothing of that they're engaging in markets, it's still basically people being exploited to produce wealth, right? It's a matter really that it's like a board of people who are, you know, probably workers still running the thing. It's still doing the exact same thing. But he kind of ties that into the broader point of like the point of a communist party and of a people's party is to, it'll always be pertinent if it can um, show that there are possible alternatives, that this is an alternative. And while it does that, it's going to be a threat to the established order, right? And so I think the connection there to this essay that we're reading is that Jack Zipes is kind of saying that culture has can have the same effect and that media can have the same effect, right? But that it doesn't really right now. Because to Zipes, like, uh, it, and I suppose this is an idea kind of first propagated by Ernst Bloch, is that um, in the kind of like broader frankfurt school is that like all good art which you know that's like a little pretentious i <laughs> guess but all good art has like some sort of utopian element to it or some sort of dissatisfaction with the way things are and while there's going to be media or in this case what we're talking about is fantasy that um has that kind of fantastical element to it uh, it's going to be inspiring right and so i think that's where the first kind of issue that we might have with this piece is, is that yeah, that's absolutely true, and there need to be um, utopian forms of art, there need to be uh, inspiring artistic pieces, fantasy, media, movies, books, whatever it is, to kind of show us that there are possibilities um, to change the current social relations that we have, but it's like, the title of this piece is Why Fantasy Matters Too Much, and it's like, what do you mean by fantasy? And I think he kind of flip-flops on it a little bit, maybe not flip-flops, but it's like, Going from the Ellen Meekson's Wood stuff, it's like, if she was writing this, and she wouldn't be because this isn't her area of expertise, but, like, fantasy would have a very specific definition, much like capitalist, and capitalism does in her book, right? But here, fantasy doesn't really have a very specific definition, and he doesn't mean fantasy like we think of it as, like, Lord of the Rings and, like, Conan the Barbarian and stuff like that. He kind of generally means it a lot more broad. Fantasy is, like, in a painting when it's, like... uh, some sort of utopian idealism, right? That's fantasy to him, too. And so he, like, is caught between being this guy who studies Brothers Grimm and studies Lord of the Rings and studies all of these actual, like, what we would think of as fantasy things, and that's what he wants to talk about. But at the same time, he's also just talking about, like, all art, right? And it's a little bit, like, oh, It's a little bit disorienting trying to understand this piece. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's why I buy up the cooperative thing, because it's, like, he's trying to uh, establish this connection between... Uh, media showing us what is possible, but whereas now it does the opposite, which is what you were saying, which is kind of like delude us into thinking that um, there is no alternative, right? And whereas like sci-fi might have used to have been in the book that I'm forcing Dan to read right now, which is The Dispossessed, which is something that is like... Uh, very explicit in its utopian kind of thinking is like here's an alternative that's what the whole book's about it's like about an anarchist society right and then like a communist society and a capitalist society and the way they all interact but it's like now he's kind of saying that you have stuff like Warhammer or something like that where it's like to him that's not as great because it's like uh, you know the uh, things are going to be bad in the future and that's about it mm-hmm. and again he mm-hmm. kind of flip flops on that too mm-hmm. but yeah it's a weird distinction Right between fantasy as utopian and fantasy as delusory.
0: Yeah, often it feels like um, fantasy. Well, what, what, I'm, what I'm most familiar with is fantasy television and fantasy film. Sure. Um, and I, w- maybe what I mean really is sci-fi rather than fantasy, um, but maybe we can use it de- too. Yeah, interchangeably, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of slippage. I mean, yeah. um, I mean his general definition of fantasy seems to come from Adorno to some extent, where he's just saying that. All artwork can have some fantasy is just a, an element that um, pieces of art have um, and it could be good and it could be bad right Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you mean yeah it, it, yeah it could it could, fill, it could fulfill the sort of like it, it could speak to liberatory desire in human beings mm-hmm. or it could um, support the status quo in some way yeah. or um, numb people. Yeah, to their present existence, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I, there were there was a few years ago when there, I used to look for in films to some extent films which depicted. I used to think there was something good about films that depicted a bleak future.
1: Sure,
0: um, because at least it was like, watch out, otherwise <laughs> this is what you're going to get. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right to say that there, But you, we we do not get like. Um, uh blatantly utopian fiction in the mainstream in the way that you may have once done kind of thing yeah uh, and to, to to just say well uh, it's good at least good enough that like um the general concept people's general conception of the future is is it's probably going to be pretty shit yeah um at least puts us in the position to want to do something about it now but i don't know does it do that or does it, it i mean if you most people a lot of people might just be resigned to the bleakness of the future, kind of thing. Like, um, be nice to know about that like, people's general concept. that like we we live around a lot of there's a lot of apocalypse isn't there? <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah, there is. It, there it. is a lot of apocalyptic threat um, mm-hmm. in our present existence, kind of thing. Well, like, I mean, climate climate change is the sure. it's the, it's the big and obvious example. Yeah. But like climate change breaks down into a whole series of different. Like, sure.
1: Yeah yeah. 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 Well, he brings that up. Um, Let me just, I'll read, uh, I'm going to read two quotes. Um, They're not super long, but one of them is just to kind of establish his thesis. So he says, it's through fantasy that we've always sought to make sense of the world, not through reason. Reason matters, but fantasy matters more. Perhaps it has mattered too much, and our reliance on fantasy may wear thin and betray us, even while it nourishes us and gives us hope that the world could be a better place. We've imagined gods, the kingdom of a single god, the miraculous feats of divine and semi-divine characters, and the commandments that have been established to lead us to the good life, if not to paradise. It is through the fictive projections of our imaginations based on personal experience that we have sought to grasp, explain, and alter and comment on reality. This is why such staples as the Bible and Grimm's fairy tales have become canonical texts, unlike reality they allegedly open the mysteries of life and reveal ways in which we can maintain ourselves and our integrity in a conflict-ridden world that's kind of his
0: general thesis right Yeah, yeah and i i think i agree yeah to a large extent um either personal or collective narrative um informs our understanding of the world in which we live even if it's not directly like scientific or factual there's yeah. all there is always a um it feels to me anyway that there's always some kind of supplement needed yeah sort of that sort of complements our understanding or even is like um i mean i would i'd probably go so far as to say that like our entire interaction with the world is sort of is um heavily mediated either by personal narrative or True. by collective narrative mm. um and I mean, it, it, coming back to what we talked about in the first episode, when we we're talking about class consciousness to some extent, and jumping back to some of the themes you were suggesting earlier, was like mm. uh, we have come across this idea, right? Like, um, if if we want to develop con- a certain type of revolutionary consciousness in a certain portion of the population, it's not a matter of giving them the right facts and details, and exactly, Having yeah. them all be sort of like drones to a certain type. To of this very specific this other ideology. Yeah. It's more about like. Sparking a kind of desire in in their sort of like um, I don't know relationship to the world and their desires yeah. for the future and yeah. wishes kind of thing. The spark
1: the lights, the prairie fire. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um, so yeah, so I I I think both in 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 the terms of like what it is to be a human being, and also in terms of what it might potentially be to be a revolutionary subject. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Narrative and in his case, fantasy perhaps more important than yeah than whatever the alternative is (laughs) yeah but
1: it's also like fantasy like again like when he says fantasy it's like exactly what you're saying could just be imagination right and i guess that's kind of the point that he's making is that when he gets into the whole like culture industry stuff and um kind of like mass media narratives penetrating like your subconscious that's i guess he's kind of saying that it's like sure these narratives um, of kind of like being okay with our current social relations seep into the media, but they also seep into our imagination. So before we get to that, let me, let me read this next quote. Um, this is kind of what you were saying about climate change and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he I says... Like Huh? It's a good I think this is a
0: good quote I think I know what
1: you This it's a damn good quote hopefully it's the right quote he says, <laughs> I'll just say that it is <laughs> wow what a great quote he says a perfect quote. <laughs> it's the perfect quote he says fantasy contests reality and it also becomes conflated with reality but our fantasy and the fantasies that we conceive have become desperate because they're outstripped by real existing conditions that instrumentalize them at every waking second of the day and even when we slumber it's a commonplace it is common it is a commonplace today that fantasy especially science fiction and what we label fantasy in the world of art cannot keep pace with the devastating and disturbing fantastic of real occurrences or what I call the incredible credibility of the real that's (laughs) pretty (laughs) snazzy I like that it's um,
0: a nice. Li- I mean, I like a good like, It's a nice It's Not slide. quite fun, but it's kind of.
1: Yeah, um, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, when the normal is so fantastically abnormal, what role can fantastic artworks play in our lives? Is the violence that we encounter in our everyday lives so much more fantastic than in literature, film, and the arts that we seek to consume the fantastic like harmless junk food as quick fixes and <laughs> consolation? Can our joys really and realistically be enjoyed and nourished through the fantastic? Is there hope for the fantastic, and much less hope for our old- to alter our sorcery relations of exploitation and delusion that's the second page in its <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah exactly mm-hmm. so he goes he goes in right there um, but yeah I mean it's kind of like what you were saying it's like how how much gnarlier do movies need to get to give you that fix when like all media is kind of building on top of the last media it's like when that I'm reminded of that movie 2012. Did you ever see that? Yeah, yeah. 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 In the cinema, though, I think. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, me too. Or The Knowing. <laughs> I definitely saw The Knowing in uh, theatres, which was weird. Oh, I've watched that as well. That movie rocks. Yeah, yeah that's um Yeah, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. The Cage, yeah. uh, spoiler alert for the ending of that movie, who cares? But I don't
0: remember. There's something about some a stone. There's something about a stone, but the
1: ending of that movie is literally the world blows up. <laughs> it's just oh, like, okay. okay,
0: okay. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> It's just 2012 of John Cusack. Yeah, it? it does. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. LA hey, a I, I, I don't know destroyed. whether this is, is it a thing that happens, it, that exists already in analysis, but I it's sort of feel uh, that uh, uh, we've, not you and I, but other people mm. and I, have sort of banded around the sort of like relationship between John Cusack <laughs> uh-huh. and Nicholas Cage, just being like John Cusack being the good there kind of <laughs> so, is a the movie that they're both in together i've never watched it i
1: have no uh, idea what that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Know, must love dogs um no i have no idea um oh, sorry. but it's interesting because like right when we talk about movies like 2012 where the whole world gets destroyed and the yeah. knowing where everything blows up and it's yeah, all just like the biggest cgi and stuff it's like you really get what he's saying about yeah. like all of these things you know this doesn't have much to do with fantastic and or this art is, or but that's not
0: like that's not that's, that's not similar or equivalent to what we were describing about some sci-fi films where they're just like, the future is sure. bleak. Exactly. It's just like, this sort of like apocalyptic end. It's a spectacle. Almost. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a spectacular end to your... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, what... It's funny, isn't it, that we would go to watch movies <laughs> where like, it's just the end of the it's world. Just the kind of thing. Yeah. 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 just thing. end, But just dope. Like, honestly. And that's the thing. It's like, that's... Okay, two problems I kind of have with this
1: style of like, academia is like, one, how do you quantify that? you know how do you quantify this idea of like wow all movies now we're doing this thing and it's like oh are they it's like yes they are it's like
0: okay I can't argue with you <laughs> yeah, on that yeah, because yeah. It's, it's like this is one of those sort of speculative things yeah. just like, I'll put out the assertion and yeah then.
1: but it's like at the same time it's like all that all, cultural theory and all that is really important but it's like you can kind of bend everything to your will yeah, you kind yeah, of yeah. bend what data sets there are to yeah, your will yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of make any point you I want kind
0: of, having said that I do agree though yeah. I, do I kind of know what him. he's aiming at kind Exactly. Of yeah. yeah. I don't know whether this is meant to be a um, there has been some kind of pr- progression in culture and a progression in what it, almost what it means to be a human existing in the world sure is it? Is this sort of a, chron- a, a chronological transition that's happening like fantasy um used to be a sort of like um outlandish supplement to a sort of banal existence and now we've got we've transitioned to the point where fantasy is this banal supplement yeah. to a really sort of like horrific existence yeah in some respects like i mean i think I, it's kind of easy with that argument to but be i don't know how you what what actual real world progression do you map that Onto kind of thing. I mean, you, I mean, I suppose you can, right? Like, you you could map it onto the the disintegration of the post-war consensus and now a sort sure. of like neoliberal world that we now exist in, um, or you could map it onto just quite how there's, there has been this increasingly pervasive development of, um, I mean, I suppose what Adorno and Horkheimer would call the culture industry kind sure. of thing. It, it, the culture industry has increased its grip on us on our minds um sort of PR and advertising have taken over the world to some extent and now we've gotten to the point where um social media and it's connection to like um online advertising it's become so sort of pervasive and so sort of like uh, yeah. intrusive yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how that correlates to what I was trying to say. Hopefully like this I mean, we just spitball in yeah, this episode, yeah, just, we're just just, going pretty with much it. like the essay is. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So then he goes on to say, I'm going to read another quote. He says, uh, fantasy artworks of all kinds have become depleted of cultural substance because fantasy matters too much. There make a wish because that's the name of the essay. Uh, fantasy has too much potential to subvert and explore the differential of freedom. And I'm going to keep going, but this is I think the main issue that I have with this piece. Um, It must be subdued, controlled, channeled, and sublimated so that it cannot serve to negate the spectacles that blind us to social forces that determine our lives. The culture industry realizes the potential of the fantastic by commodifying it. Fantastic elements are produced and reproduced to become important ingredients in the constitution of constant spectacles that impede cognition of the operative principles of the socioeconomic systems in which we live. Delusion has become the goal of fantasy, not illumination. Fantasy has become so common that it has now become banal. And, okay, so, I agree with him, I agree with what he's saying, but I think, and it wasn't, like, I didn't really understand why I was disagreeing with him until you said that about, kind of, like, his language in this piece. Because I think, and I don't necessarily think I'd like to give him credit that this isn't what he's implying, but it's almost like he's implying that the culture industry stuff is all intentional and that there's like somebody at the top like pulling the levers to like commodify fantasy and like mm. make it like this and make it like that. Because it's like when he says it must be subdued, controlled, channeled, and sublimated so that it cannot serve to negate the spectacles that blind us, he's basically saying that like if fantasy did exist in what he kind of considers its true form, which is like showing us different ways that we can do things, which isn't necessarily just utopian right it's it's yeah it can be it can be a bunch of different things but it's like he's like i said he's kind of almost implying that it's intentionally done whereas Mm -hmm. i think this is probably what he's saying but i don't think it's very clear i feel like it's a lot more just kind of like a fait accompli it's like if you have this society in which we all have to accept these social relations then you can't really have popular fantasy that negates that right it's just just because that's just the way it works because if we did it would just scramble everybody's brains too much or maybe the things that become popular are the things that delude us does that make yeah, sense Yeah,
0: i mean you might even say that like it's beyond the capabilities of the culture the people who produce culture to give us something which is antithetical to um, yeah. the structures which support their existence exactly, kind of yeah. thing. Like, not even why would they but are they even remotely motivated to? Or yeah. It's not necessarily that they're just like crushing
1: these yeah, ideas yeah, yeah, of fantasy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which I almost feel like that's kind of what's yeah, being implied yeah. because of the language of this piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, he's, I mean, he's, he's clearly making the suggestion that, uh, human beings have some sort of capacity to fantasize and by virtue of that fact to, uh, generate, um, liberatory, utopian potentially revolutionary new ideas kind of thing yeah um and but also like uh fantasy is structuring of our engagement with the world and the culture industry has discovered this fact about human beings and then has sought to exploit it in some way to sort of like yeah it does it does sort of it sort of smacks of um
1: there's a, a word degree, for it. Yeah. Sorry? there's a word for it, but I haven't been able to think of
0: it too. Oh, it's like, no. this like
1: intentional thinking of like it's all on purpose. I don't know. I can't think of it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, not to interrupt. But it's,
0: yeah. <laughs> but um Yeah, I mean it's interesting, although I don't want to give it put too much like almost um conspiratorial yeah. quality into it kind of thing. I Maybe mean, that's the word, yeah, conspiratorial. But it but but I mean like um societies it, it it makes sense that the ruling class, the ruling structure, the ruling ideas of a society would be perpetuated in all it, all areas of its um, output, kind of thing. Mm. Um, I don't know. What's that Mark's quote about the um, <laughs> the ideas of the ruling class become the sure idea the, the ruling ideas of society? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all about ideology and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because the latter half of this piece um, is primarily concerned with examples to prove his points, mm-hmm. right? And he gives the points where he talks about um, some examples of media that show things as they are, which is in kind of like an intentionally negative light as kind of satire, as almost being like not very helpful, mm-hmm. right? Um, he brings up, The Simpsons, South Park, and Family Guy. So he says um, in these certain animated television series, Simpsons, South Park, Family Guy, the dysfunctional families and communities are exaggerated depictions of the changing relations in American society that indicate how bedeviled we are by our own contradictions. By our contradictions. Irreverent, ironic, and irrelevant critiques of American quotidian life are created through the behavior of characters who represent family and community gone amok. Whereas many writers and artists have employed the fantastics to suggest alternatives to decadence, that is, societies in decline, there is clearly a strong dystopian tendency in popular culture for young people suggesting that social conflicts and injustice may never be resolved, and that the outcome of the struggles may be neo fascist societies as projected in Brave New World in 1984. Um, that kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, right? It's like, where do you find a place for like dystopian stuff? and how could that help, right? Um, I've always found shows like The Simpsons in South Park.' my family guy, but specifically like The Simpsons as being really helpful in a critique of American life. Um, I think precisely because it is um, accessible to everybody, right? and that it is anti-authoritarian, but it's also very much like everybody likes The Simpsons, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like no matter who you are. And so like the lives and the societies that it's critiquing, I think are very much like, like, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's very worthwhile. I think it's very, not necessarily just being like, well, there's no other way, mm-hmm. right? I think potentially in doing that, it does open up possibilities, right? Like, what I don't know, what do you think?
0: Is that his interpretation? What I thought he was saying was that um, by sort of like, C- poking fun and putting a sort of like humorous spin on these things um it was sort of making normal these sure. dysfunctions kind of thing like it was saying these societal dysfunctions the breakdown of family the breakdown of community <laughs> to some extent yeah <laughs> the family
1: unit we got to have our family values
0: i mean i'm more interested in community than i in mean yeah. family but, sure yeah um i uh, know i mean the simpsons has been going on in the same vein for 30 or 40 years kind yeah. of thing it does project sameness and sort of a degree of consistency onto uh, what we experience as changing as a, as a sort of changing world kind of thing i think, um, he's, I think... some i mean maybe there's a possibility for all media right to to sort of like function as a familiar touchstone in a changing world kind of thing um which might come back to that sort of incredible credibility of the real kind of thing, like, yeah. Or the, or is that the phrase? I don't know. Yeah, Something some sort to of that effect. Um, <laughs> where, like, yeah, we need these sort of like familiar touchstones that don't ever really change, kind of
1: thing. Sure. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I think that his critique,
1: if that is what it is, um, we get to have him in the room to talk about this. But I think if that is what his critique is, it's a, like a generation of TV too late, because mm-hmm. I think that like. That might have been true for All in the Family. Uh, I don't know what British shows that would have been true for. But like I think that sure, Simpsons yeah, did something the Simpsons slightly, slightly
0: different. Box, a, a, a type of yeah. a, a television program from a generation beforehand. Exactly.
1: And so, um, I mean, South Park did it. I think maybe, like, a slight, like, half-generation or something a little bit later, right? Like, it was kind of mocking and satirizing something different than The Simpsons was. Although, at the same time, like, kind of still that same kind of, like, typical American, you know, family unit kind of thing. Um, I do kind of think that The Simpsons was a little bit more, like, it isn't showing you fat Homer, lazy Homer, who doesn't know how to vote and doesn't, like, do any of these things, and is just kind of a schmuck who drinks beer, to be, like, you should be okay with that. You know what I mean, and that's okay if that's who you want to become. It's like the heroes of that show, when there are heroes, are Homer when he does something brave and courageous, or for his family, or just like it's always Lisa,
0: right? Sure. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? it, it the 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 I mean, it's by by virtue of the the um, the type of the sort of syndicated nature of the show, and, and I mean Star Trek falls into this trap quite a lot, mm. where it's like. But The Simpsons is an interesting example of it. Like, there is a normal way of functioning, but the sh- but the episodes are all about characters stepping outside of their normal way of functioning. Yeah. But only for that twenty minute. Yeah, exactly. Segment, and then you're back to the next episode where everybody. When, in some respects, it's interesting, right? It pre- it presents a blank canvas with which to do things with every week, kind of thing. Mm. Um. So perhaps it's not entirely sort of like. A- Unvaluable.
1: That's yeah, exactly. I, mean, Unvaluable. I do. I do wonder too. Like. Like, what utopian... Because I think to say utopian kind of conjures up this idea of, like, Thomas More, mm-hmm. right? And, like, the very explicit, like I was saying, like, Le Guin-style things. But, like, it, I think that it can... And, again, Zype says this, and I agree with him, but, like, it can be done in a lot more, like, subtle ways. Sure. Right? I mean,
0: he's, he's drawing his definition of utopia from Bloch, right? Yeah. And, and Bloch's definition is not utopia as um, a worked-out system it's more like a, t- a, a sort of like fleeting element or, or fleeting nature of a, s- a small element of something you might interact with briefly kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um He says, yeah, yeah, exactly. Block says, um, this is kind of, Zype's discussing block. He says utopia cannot be defined, but it is constituted by fantastic elements in life and in art that embody the daydreams of a better life. That is a different life. A better life can only distinguish itself from what it negates in its differential freedom that is provided by the fantastic. So it's kind of like yeah, what he was like fan- the fantastic in utopia can just be in your daydreams and can just be imagined, right? Mm-hmm. So to kind of to kind of talk about that a little bit more, I've always kind of thought that there's like an interesting distinction to be made in utopia in that it can be fairly subjective but at the same time points towards a lot of similar things from people on two opposite ends of the spectrum so like an example I've used before is um, Le Guin and Tolkien, right Le Guin is like this very progressive like anarchist, right she was writing at a time when there weren't a lot of women writing in sci-fi she was very successful Um, a lot of her stories kind of break the typical molds of fantasy and science fiction um, and then Tolkien is like this. He's like a middle-class Tory, right? He's like someone who went and fought for his country and came back to enjoy all the finer things in life. And why would I ever go to another country? I have everything I need right here, right? And it's funny because, like, obviously in Tolkien, you have stuff like uh, all the characters are like white men, basically, right? And... Um, there's a lot of like kind of harkening back to this idealized vision of feudal England right but at the same time he's kind of like his critiques of society there in his books like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or the Hobbit or even just the Silmarillion are like fairly progressive right like he believes in community he believes the only way things ever happen is through like solidarity being shown and the characters in all of those books who try and act alone are like ex- bad things hundred percent of the time happened to him. Mm. You try and act alone. The only people that doing that are like Sauron Morgoth, like all of these bad people, right? Um and it's interesting because like those same tropes show up in Le Guin's work. And so it's like it, to the extent that both of these authors are like utopian thinkers, they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum, basically, right? Like I think that like Le Guin probably had a lot of respect for Tolkien as a writer, but maybe not as like a, you know, like very progressive guy <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um but i think it's interesting that they critique modern societies and again they're writing in like relatively modern or uh, uh similar times they're critiquing the same elements of society and that's kind of like the utopian element of both of their works mm. so it's funny when you look at like stuff now and see what they're critiquing it's like they're critiquing the same things. they're critiquing all of this like atomization that happens under capitalism alienation um uh you know that's why, like, with Tolkien, it, it kind of comes back to, like, ideas of, like, community, but also, like, family, so that's where he goes with his critiques, but they're all, like, the same things. And so it's, like, it, it, I don't know, it's interesting to try and compare critiques like that to modern things, like, more modern things, like, let's say Star Trek, where it's, like, where, I suppose it depends on which one you're talking about, but, like, where do the utopian elements kind of come from in those shows? You know what I mean? Like what do you think in terms of, like, science fiction? Obviously, because that's different. It's not harkening back to, like, A previous age where you can point to see like, here are all of the things we're missing from then. Wish we still had those things. That would be great, you know, when people weren't as atomized. As opposed like what's the difference looking forward in science fiction and you know what I mean? Like what are those elements in Star Trek to you? I guess is like a way of phrasing that. Or like like science fiction in general. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Dan the sci fi guy. Uh, Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm supposed to step in as a sci fi person. There's a there's a section of this uh, I don't know whether this is where I want to go straight away. <laughs> yeah, go um, there. There's a section of this where he's really talking about fandoms. Mm, yeah. And there was a little while yesterday when I was trying to think about um, fandoms and things which I've engaged with. Now, he suggests... But, uh, jumping around a little bit. He... Um, we've already... We've touched on it a little bit, but he suggests that the virtue of good um, fantasy writing is that it leaves enough play of elements for the reader to sort of do something with them, you know, sort of like, um, create of their own kind of thing. Um, which, which, which doesn't necessarily happen a huge amount in fandoms, although he talks about, um, the, the, what's, what's evident in fandoms is the real desire that people have to engage with a, a world. Sure. Um, and not have it be defined purely by the media that, that is presented as being part of that, as it being a depiction of that world kind of thing. But um, to to almost live in kind of thing. I was thinking mm. yesterday about the about the um, the fantasy and the sci fi worlds in which I have lived or in sure, for want yeah. the better of a phrase mm. at some point in my life as a as a sort of like child and teenager <laughs> kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, which which worlds did I inhabit um, and which ones did I kind of um, just receive as a product kind of thing and i think star trek's probably um one more in the kind of just receiving passively now it's, it had a tremendous amount of influence on my life and there are elements of it or sort of notions presented which um were really meaningful but i think the worlds that i really lived in were to some extent i was thinking yesterday about warhammer Forty Thousand. sure um not a place you'd want to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a utopian. And I don't even think utopian in the way that this book is, this essay rather, is really depicting. Um, but by virtue of the type of media it is, it really does intentionally leave the world open. Um, and maybe it was just because it was all engrossing in a period of my life, right, where I, like, I inhabited Games Workshop literally and um, or resided in Games Workshop literally and inhabited... The world Figured figuratively, up, like. <laughs> kind of thing, um, but um, but uh, but I suppose it's um it's akin to sort of childish play in general, like mm. children. I, I don't know. I mean that may, and I think that perhaps that activity of um, creative play extended into my teenage years. I don't know when it's when it's supposed, to, but hope. I mean, I I guess ideally it never dies off, but I feel like in my own experience it has sort of died away in a way, but. That was a world which I sort of felt like I inhabited more so than others, and it's interesting, right? Because it's a really brutally horrible, like, cartoonishly terrible world. Intentionally, so. Intentionally too, right? so, yeah. But it, but it, but it's very premises. It's it's premised on a notion of not only is it there to supplement a game and a game which you um, interact with in quite a creative way, sure. Um, in in multiple ways, right? You create your own narratives for your activity. You're also like. Uh, create physical objects, supposing that you're also engaged in playing the game kind of thing um but also it's 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 re- it's sort of like founding principles are like rule of cool kind of thing, yeah, like whatever you think is allowed to be the case, kind of thing um and it's just a whole series of sort of like um adult men over several decades just trying to outdo each other with the most ludicrous notion possible yeah. kind of thing um. That's not necessarily liberatory, but I think uh, as a t- as a type of like creative endeavor, um, it's one which is like sprawling and open, and um, and uh, yeah. Well, I com- think I was trying to I was trying to think of trying to compare it to other fandoms. Right, like how is it that people because there are certain ones which are really dictated how you're allowed to engage with a thing. I was trying to think about something like Harry Potter, sure, um, and how people associate with the world of Harry Potter. And I'm sure there are people who associate with it in a um in a sort of creative and open way mm-hmm. um but it's just from the outside it seems like it sets very definite premises for what wo- what words mean what sort of notions mean um it's all about sort of like i mean this is the case with i mean a- any any sort of fandom or any sort of like a, a, a attachment to a particular type of narrative creates, um, media rather, creates a type of person who is very kind of like um liturgical is that the right word? Or very sort of clinical yeah, in their sort yeah. of like, they're very kind of like, they just want to argue the point about yeah. well, pres- actually, precise meanings kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, Lord
1: of the Rings people don't do that.
0: What was I just saying about Sauron being an elf? Yeah. Fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't know yeah I don't know where I don't know where I don't know where this is going really um well but it, but it, but it, but, uh, but like there, there there is there certainly is something about um the way um Harry Potter and what it means is sort of dictated or how what it means to enjoy Marvel is kind of dictated yeah. by Marvel the the sort of the the, the corporation kind of thing yeah um in a way which sort of like I don't know I don't know yeah it, it's got, like do you think there is uh, meaning and value in a certain type of attachment to um a sort of piece of media or i mean i'd i'd be w- I'd be totally willing to concede I mean it's certainly actually the case that maybe any of those attachments to media were um coping strategies kind mm, of thing like sure. most teenage attachments to sort of fixations on a thing or coping strategies with this sort of shock of adolescent <laughs> development, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's kind really of, that's
1: kind of what he's saying on a kind of like micro level, right? Because he's saying that same thing, but about all of society. Mm-hmm. And so let me, let me just kind of like bring up the difference that I think but is between like spectacle and like... Fantasy. And yeah, yeah. And I suppose fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is kind of like... So Spectacle is, like, something that potentially we actually want to interact more with, because it is a lot more visceral, like, but what if you were a big dude shooting a gun? You know what I mean? Like, what if you were on a big planet uh-huh. and you were a space now marine? Now we're going to
0: get quite Freudian in our conversation. <laughs> yeah. of <Uh-oh>.
1: <laughs> I mean, a dude with a tiny gun. It doesn't have to be a big gun. I don't need a big gun. <laughs> um,
0: but it's Do like, you imagine yourself a space marine? Or? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no.
1: If you were a space marine, which legion would you be to? Um... But yeah, but I mean I don't know. And I think that that kind of the the difference between spectacle and and like more utopian fantasy mm-hmm. is one that he's that fits nicely with the points that he's making, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like as the culture industry commodifies media more and more and more and more, um and just kind of feeds into our like primal instincts of what we want to see. Um, what we want to see is kind of like not necessarily what's good for us or what we want to see, you know what I mean? It's not really changing things. It's like kind of feeding into that same thing that we hate. It's like, it's almost like frustration, right? It's like you want to be like, uh, I don't know what kind of nerd would want this, but like a dude riding around Rohan on a horse, right? Like fighting orcs Uh, because that's kind of like, it's, like, escapism. Like, spectacle, I think, is inherently escapist. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, maybe fantasy, as he means it, is a little bit more like you're doing something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm.
1: Having said that, I think that he does not give enough credence to spectacle because it's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. just awesome. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's giving any credence to it at all because he's basically saying it does not fit. This idea of like Adorno, Block, Porkheimer's view of art needs to be utopian. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, I took a like I used to be really into ceramics, and I took a course a while ago, and I made this kind of like sculpture of like this uh, kind of like demon head, and then I made like this series of things with like kind of like kooky horns and like and it was just like it was just fun. Like I was just having fun. I was just going with whatever.
0: I'm, I'm nodding approvingly.
1: <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, keep your psychoanalysis out of this.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but I remember my teacher like looking at it and being like, uh-huh, so why did you make this? Mm. And I was like, just because it looks cool. I think yeah, it looks yeah, yeah. really neat. I was, was very
0: worried when I started reading this <laughs> that it was going to be very much like, it's going to feed into a very pretentious way that people yeah, talk about their art. Exactly. It's fortunate, actually, that um, he is presenting the fantasy element in the production of art as being something... That both parties are responsible for both the producer, producer and, uh, and the person that's yeah. sort of consuming, for want of a better word. Um, and it really, really, the creative act happens with the the recipient of the art yeah. much more so than the person producing. Yeah. Which is nice in that it doesn't it doesn't le- lend to this kind of like pretentious way that yeah sort of artists have the potential exactly. to talk about their art as being Which is having very really like, deep meaning kind yeah, of yeah the
1: Frankfurt School really kinda like is teetering on the edge, the, yeah, on the edge yeah, there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what
0: I was I've always got I, I haven't really I'd like to do it more. I'd like yeah. I'd like to read some Horkheimer and Adorno but mm. and I haven't really engaged with that, but I've always imagined them as being sort of like slightly pompous relics yes. of an age where they're they're unable to sort of like Yeah <laughs> engage with you know, that's why we should, or uh, jazz yeah. or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. We'll read some block. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, but but the the point that I'm kind of trying to make is that like when I made those sculptures, my teacher was like, "I don't get it. Why'd you make this?" And right. he was like, really pushed me to be like, "Well, why did you create this? Why would you create this?" And I was like, "It's just it just looks cool. Yeah, I think it yeah. looks cool. It's that dichotomy between like, there's art that is like, wow, it's art in the way the Frankfurt School means it, where it's like, it's really." I'm interacting with it and it's like almost utopian. It's t- it's dissatisfied with something and it's it's means something. And mm, wow, look mm-hmm, at this. Oh mm-hmm. my God. But then there's just like art that's like, damn, dude, that looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the spectacle, right? And it's like kind of trying to balance that. Here's, I could be taking this way too far. <laughs> but when people theorize about what art would be in a fully socialist society, I think that's really interesting because it's like, it could just wind up basically just being yeah, skeptical, expre- right? Oh, right? Okay. Well, yeah, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. what
0: were you going to say? Saying, oh, no, yeah, everybody just expressing their cool, <laughs> yeah. des- the desire exactly. for the cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and it's... to be honest, like I really want people to engage with an idea of a uh, sort of liberated future society. And be like, sure, yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Kind yeah. Of thing. Like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I want. The, I mean, but it's like it's like that's that's aesthetic virtue. I I, I like I want sort of like. <laughs> socialism or what have you to have some kind of aesthetic appeal
1: are you aesthetically virtue signaling <laughs> i don't even know what that would yeah, mean, I mean either. I don't know
0: either. <laughs> um yeah um, i mean it's dangerous right because it also it's also the thing which inspires people's fidelity to characters like elon musk yes or interesting or the like kind of thing But like, yeah um hmm. he like he speaks to I mean, he's he's spoken to my sense of yeah, that's pretty cool kind of thing. Yeah. Being someone who like
1: yeah,
0: nur- was nurtured and nurtured themselves on sci-fi and like, yeah, um, I always kind
1: of thought it was a bit of a tool. But
0: you know I, was. <laughs> I was in, I was in, I was on the fringes of the cult for a little. Sure, while. yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> I mean, when
1: I mean again, like that's the thing. It's like when we post-war compact, when everything's been ripped apart and there's no community and there's no. A government, where we feel like we're a part of this public sector that mm. brings us to this effing stars. Like, how cool is that? When that's yeah, yeah, yeah. gone, it's like, oh, someone's doing it. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, but it, yeah, it does. But it does create this sort of like. It, it, it's unfortunate the people that I'd like to associate with to some extent, the people in the world who are really sort of like fetishized space. Sure. Yeah. Um, have ended up sort of like also have now decided that. What leads to that being achieved is entrepreneurs and corporations. Yeah, you need a great figure to come along and sort of like lead the journey. To that I mean they'll be, they'll be, you know, build the big statue of Elon Musk on Mars. Kind of
1: Mars is going to suck.
0: Mar- yeah, <laughs> I hate yeah, yeah, to yeah, say yeah. It. <laughs> it, yeah. it's shit. It's shit. It's, shit. <laughs> it's yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, worst yeah. planets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. i Venus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. I'd, I'd move to Venus. I no. was like Mars, Mars, Mars. Mars sucks. No way, Mars sucks. I've I mean, to... they all suck. This is, its sad. It's really—it's really quite a shame <laughs> that they all suck. But they all suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they all do kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. No one's yeah. ever it's been all, able.
0: It's, to... it's almost as if we're perfectly designed to live on this planet. <laughs> Wait a minute.
1: It's almost like we should just be looking after this one. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, it's, yeah, true. What yeah it's true. And it? you couldn't buy. Your I really, your I really don't
0: like that. Like, I'm, I, 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 I. There is so much appeal to me in, um. Discovery of that sort, like sure. going I mean, to yeah, other planets, absolutely. maybe not as people, but as probe, like yeah. sending probes, sending robots, kind of thing. Like, um, there is a degree of wonder in it, which maybe I mean maybe it sparks my sort of utopian desire to some extent. Like, um, yeah, totally, hundred mm. percent. But maybe it's just that I fall for this kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Human beings aren't parasitic, but we do we do harbour a parasite called capitalism. And if we don't yeah. eradicate that first, we're just going to take it anywhere we go. <laughs>
1: Damn. <laughs> well, you mean the libertarian like space utopia yeah, on Mars God, isn't going to be good yeah, enough for you? Yeah, no. Yeah,
0: no <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do wonder to some extent. Like, I have wondered what a Martian political economy would be. <laughs> interested I mean, um, I have no idea. Just yeah. making potatoes like they did in that
1: Matt Damon movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Matt Damon? I like that film, The Martian. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember being.
0: I find it. I mean, that's that. That's my, That's that's. Um, that's spectacle for me. Sure. Uh, it's very kind of like there are a bunch of movies which I which I can watch quite easily and watch them multiple times and just like just absorb it. I don't really do that very much anymore. I tend to yeah. watch a movie and then I'm done with it kind of thing. But yeah, I've seen The Martian Affair a fair few times just because it's like it's sort of na- narrativistically rounded. And like, yeah,
1: have you read the book? No, I have the not. books, the books are really cool. I think oh, really? it's that okay. book where there's I think it's one really <laughs> no, I, wait, <laughs> is really terrible.
0: No, wait, is it that badly book? Written, anyway.
1: I think it's that book where there's one scene where like he. Oh god, this might not be that book where he comes across a like alien randomly, and he's just like, "What, what are you doing here?" And the alien's like, "What are you doing?" That here? seems really
0: unlikely to have happened in. The Martian I don't.
1: List. Yeah, it must have been a different book. Oh, it's the Martian Chronicles. I think. Okay. Is that a different book? Yeah. No, that's Ray Bradbury. I think the one I read, I think, might have been written. Looking it
0: up Yeah, look, look, Don't look, 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 like look like an idiot I don't, I, yeah, The right. Martian Chronicles Sounds like something That I have come across uh, Typing it in oh, I don't know I wish Did I mean enter? I wish I wish I had the capacity To read science fiction Because oh, read um, It was Ray Bradbury Martian Chronicles Read <laughs> 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 To read fiction in general Because like It's you also do. great sci-fi That I'd quite like to Are you still
1: listening To the dispossessed no, audiobook? No, no, book? Oh, no Okay well. <laughs> <laughs> What's the main guy's name? It's a funny name Shevik Yeah, yeah Shevik yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty cool yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it was interesting what you were saying though about um about um uh Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. because I'd never thought about Lord of the Rings as having utopian elements really but mm-hmm. I'd usually lumped it together in that genre of fantasy which is very much like here's a s- sort of steady state world that never really changes. Yeah. Uh, much like how people I don't know um it was a zero growth economy. <laughs> <laughs> But like but but there's but there's effectively no there's lots of things that happen, but there's effectively no sort of history in a sort of developmental way, kind Whoa, of damn.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Oh it's
0: not it's not it's not <laughs> historical in that like um Events have consequences which cause changes and progressions and like development and or maybe I don't know. May I may just incorrect, I'm, but I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> it is
1: very much it's about a, the yeah, status yeah,
0: quo, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's hearkening
1: back. I to I think this Star Wars idea, but... is very
0: similar in that it's quite yeah. ahistorical. In that there are there, there, there's these there's these two these these two sort of states, right? There's either a very various types of republic various types yeah. of Sith Empire yeah. and you just alternate between the two yeah. and it doesn't seem like the technology I mean I mean we, we've learned over the past few weeks that technology can stay very same for long sure. periods of time like, yeah. it is possible to have like types of political economy that are very stable um Star Wars just seems to be reliant on this dichotomy that flips back and forth kind of thing well, there is honest. no dialectical progression in the, in the Star Wars it's very much just sort of like a, That's right, George a dyad a letter. Like positions. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah well I'll either. be honest the rebels can't make, a, can't make a sustainable society they just can't it's been proven over and over and I'm not saying this as any kind of like pro-sith guy but like am I <laughs> it's
0: the pro-sith <laughs> podcast <laughs> <It's> everybody pro-Sith <laughs> podcast. um, um yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you well, the one thing that I, I have, I think perhaps I did, a, one piece of sci-fi which I think I did engage with in a way which was um, somewhat utopian in the way that he's suggesting um, was Stargate SG-1. Never seen it. Never any, watched any Stargate sg Never watched no, any, school. no. It's in, it, it, for me, I think, I mean, it had a, had a lot of appeal to me, um, but one of its most interesting elements is that, I mean, basically, what what has happened is Dargate Su One is that the ancient aliens uh-huh. have distributed humans across the galaxy. Okay, they were taken as sort of slaves, and then also like as hosts, because sort of oh. parasitic hosts to these sort of like evil aliens kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then Earth has subsequently shut itself off from this being a subject planet of a galactic empire, and then. Our human society has developed nice. as we are up until the point, up until the nineties when start start set. Oh wait! Until so we didn't know that we were. We from... had no idea. Yeah, cool. yeah. And then you discover this ancient piece, ancient device, which creates wormholes between different planets and connects this group of air force um, people to <laughs> force. to to a, to a galactic network cool. of human um, groups of human beings who are both who are both. Who are are taken from lots of different human cultures, and then also have been allowed to either develop or not develop in their own kind of way. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind. It's they don't. They don't. There are very few cases where they um, they meet group of groups of aliens, which are groups of humans rather, who are more advanced than they are. Quite often, they find like uh, people still living in like they they still find the sort of the Norse settlement still living in in as as sort of like. Nordic people might have done several thousand years ago or what have you. Mm. Um, or they find this sort of Egyptians still living yeah as ancient Egyptians kind of thing. Mm. Um but there is there is one episode in the first series where they meet a um a group of advanced human beings. Um and these, they really desperately want these human beings to share their technology with them. And these, these human beings have had this experience of sharing technology with another human species. And then that human, human settlement destroyed itself. So now they have this principle of not sharing their technology. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but the idea that is put forward in that episode is that um, human beings on Earth suffered this thing called the Dark Ages. And we were sort of set back in our development, uh-huh. whereas it's possible human beings not having ha- suffered oh, gotcha. that setback yeah. could have developed much further than we have kind of thing. Uh-huh. Now, from our reading last week, <laughs> um, we discovered that we shouldn't look, a, a look at the development of technology and the development of capitalism as being a, 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 a simple human process that needed <laughs> only to have us like uh, be liberated from um, the shackles the shackles of feudalism kind of thing but <laughs> but <laughs> as a piece of sci-fi narrative sure. um i remember it striking me quite a lot as a whatever i'd have been 8 or 9 or something mm. um this notion that like human society can develop in different ways um other things are possible kind of thing um so, i don't yeah. know and, and and as a seam in stargate in general i thought that what excited me was this possibility that other worlds, other other uh, ways of living as human beings were possible, kind of thing. Yeah, none of them were particularly utopian yeah. in their actual character. Um, but what I, I think, I think what uh, one element that spoke to me quite heavily was this sense of like um, at least possibility, kind of thing, and that possibility being contingent on sort of like uh, historical development um, and other events, kind of thing
1: yeah so was was that then like kind of a setting that you would have wanted to have like been in like was it like a like
0: uh something I, like I that i don't know or was I, it well, like... I mean like i probably wanted to be the person exploring the galaxy sure yeah 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 um, so i yeah so i don't know maybe 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 it didn't inspire action in me so much as a sense of possibility yeah um which is plausibly positive in and of itself
1: mm, mm. um yeah, it, it is it is interesting because it's like as much as I love Lord of the Rings and stuff and then just like the legendarium in general, it's like there have been very few times where I've wanted to have been in that world. And it's like Harry Potter I like loved when I was a kid, obviously, but it was like that's a world I would like whenever anyone's like like if you could live in any like fantastical like realm so
0: sure. jacket, would it be like Lord of the Rings? I'm like, no, it would be Harry Potter Yeah yeah yeah. Right. But that that but what's essential, the essential element of of Harry Potter is something which um, speaks to a lot of, like, childhood desire, I think, mm. which is, like, lift me out of my banal existence and yeah. make me special and put me somewhere where uh, exactly. I'm privileged and I, um, I'm seen as so, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, which
1: to Zipes, I guess, is, like, what he's talking about in terms of, like, spectacle spectac- versus fantasy. Yeah, I don't it? know whether
0: that's spectacle on yeah. I mean, it feels more like spectacle in the sense of, like, just get me out of here. It helps you cope, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe I'm not actually a human being. Maybe I'm an alien planted on Earth, and at some point the aliens are going to come take me away to my like. I thought you were talking about Harry Potter. And oh. It's like Dan, you have, have you not read the books? I was like, what the hell? I mean, this is a fantasy more in line, I think, with my kind of like yeah, well, childish I mean, desire kind of thing. Yeah, but
1: I mean, again, here's another thing that I think is important when you're doing cultural theory is that like these things are very rarely mutually exclusive yeah. like, while harry potter yeah, yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. be like seen as spectacle as a broad yeah, yeah. put it in this category so we can study it there are like really utopian themes throughout it just in the way people treat each other right sure. i mean like you know harry gets a- adopted basically by this family because they see that like he's an outcast and nobody <laughs> loves him so yeah. they take him in because it's like why wouldn't they you yeah. know what i mean that's not really something you see a lot in like at least that's not what you're told you should be doing in m- the modern world, right? You're yeah, told, yeah. you know, act for yourself, money, 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 get get everything, it's it's you, it's just you, because it kind of is just you. So yeah. it's like, when you see something like that, it's like, oh, I wish I was a Weasley. Yeah. Not saying anything, obviously not saying anything about my family, I love you guys very much, but it's like, you know, you can kind of make yourself a surrogate for Harry or the other way around, because of how atomized you might feel. Mm-hmm. Having said that, bit of a spectacle, because it's like zap Yeah, I mean, this is sort of, of what like, I was
0: trying to get at before, where it's like spectacle and fantasy fantasy being the liberatory wing and spectacle being the sort of like conf- thing that makes you conform mm. um they're not wildly separated yeah they're sort of like streams that run parallel and sort of crisscross kind of thing mm. um, yeah I got a lot
1: of respect for people who can who study that and make and try and make the distinction because yeah. it's I think it's an important distinction to make but it's like good luck <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah what yeah it's, yeah what But the question is what yeah what value what is the value <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um Maybe, as an analyst of culture, it's it's not necessarily necessarily. Well, I
1: think again. it's not necessarily what's the value, because I think the value is just trying to understand how we see ourselves and what importance we place on what things, and yeah, yeah, yeah. how that manifests itself in our art. But I think what you might be trying to get at is it's kind of like outweighed importance in ac- like in maybe in academia, which i'm not I'm not saying that that's what either of us think, but it's like when you look at how Marxism has survived, as a tool for understanding reality the world we live in um, as we talked in our intro episode you vaguely study it in sociology as just like a step to the next thing um, in economics at least you know in the societies that I come from you never talk about it it doesn't get bought up really at all um, in the political sense if you in America if you are called a Marxist you, you call yourself a Marxist you're <laughs> like never the Marxist. getting elected <laughs> anywhere <laughs> yeah. um, but it's like in cultural theory it's still kind of accepted. It's still okay to talk about these things in marxist terms. Mm-hmm. Not as okay as like it would be in a free and open world maybe, but like it's more okay to be an adorno-y horkheimer-y blocky yeah, yeah, guy yeah, yeah, than it is to yeah, be a like,
0: yeah. you know. Is that just because nobody believes that the people engaged in cultural studies are actually going to change the world? <laughs> <any> <laughs> maybe, or I don't they're not going to make the effort. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or, uh... I
1: think it's I think it's more so just that like Maybe it is that, but it's like it's like almost a very chauvinistic kind of thing in universities where it's like let the English departments do what they're gonna do, uh-huh. which I think is interesting because it's like I mean that. in
0: some ways it's a it's probably a way in which it it it, um, it perhaps solidifies uh, the view that say. People in politics departments, perhaps, or people in economics departments, like, look down on the humanities, but yeah. like, look at them. Yeah. They still value these kind yeah. of figures. Karl oh, yeah. Marx, what a not. It's, a, yeah, I mean, it's also just the was placed play, on STEM. Having too. a class analysis. What's yeah, the exactly. <laughs> they're engaged in these kind of, like...
1: Uh, yeah, very true. Very, very true.
0: Woo-woo humanities activities. It's
1: yeah, like, and it's funny because, like, Marxism can help a STEM approach so much, but it's like... That's no, just not used
0: Yeah yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. yeah,
1: yeah. What are you going to do Of class based analysis Get out of here laughable, laughable Laughable It is laughable mm.
0: um, like, Yeah mm. I'm thinking about Star Trek now
1: Yeah, yeah. Go
0: off I don't know It's definitely <laughs> the, I, I, It's definitely the case That Star Trek Made me a communist Okay <laughs> So uh, it's probably handy, a... Sir I can explain If you would just Give me a moment No you can't Don't even try Captain Perhaps it would be best If we discuss this Shut up I said shut up, as it close your mouth and stop talking.
1: Well, I sense how upset you are. It's probably, quite a,
0: probably quite a strong strong statement
1: the first socialist ideal that I ever came across was the next generation when my when they go to 10 forward and Whoopi Goldberg's it's like people have been frozen or whatever and they come back and they're like you know it's that episode where it's like people from our time are there now oh, right yeah yeah, yeah I like... mean
0: this, this is the classic this is the classic and the, yeah I mean I think of that episode of Star Trek as being the first one I ever saw yeah. whether it's actually the case I don't really know but exactly it, it, I mean uh, I've since watched it so so many times and sort of like seen it again and again and again well
1: what happens Um, in that episode for people who are not as familiar is that I think it's something like people get frozen cryogenically and then we bring them back because in Star Trek times we have that uh, power, and then they like are like, "Whoa, the Enterprise! We're traveling through stars!" And then they go to the bar, which is ten forward, and they try and get drinks from Whoopi Goldberg. And they try to, they're like, "Oh, but I don't have any money," and she's like, "We don't have money yeah. now." <laughs> and I remember like trying to get my brother to explain that to me because um, they kind of go into it a bit in that episode, right, yeah. where they're like, yeah. "Well, then, what would make anyone want to work at like a gas station?" And they're like, "People work at gas stations <laughs> because they didn't understand that it benefits society." Uh, I don't know if that's what you meant by Star Trek: Major Geocan. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the mm-hmm.
0: episode. I oh, mean, there well. are several <laughs> times that it happens. That's the classic episode. That this is this is the um, the Neutral Zone episode. Mm. It's the final episode in series one. Wow, okay, I uh, didn't know that. Jesus. And, <laughs> we got um, a nerd, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, <laughs> there is a point in it in which uh, Captain Picard launches into this monologue. One of the one of the characters is um one of the, one of the twenty first century, um, people. Brought from brought out of cryogenic stasis into the 24th century is sort of a, f- a high-flying businessman of some sort or <laughs> other. And he desperately wants to get hold of his lawyer. Um, he best, definitely wants to see how his stock portfolio has developed over the past 400 years. Presumably kind of thing. And he thinks, he thinks by virtue of um, being um, a, a powerful person in the business world, he gives him the right to yeah. demand access to the captain of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, both Captain Picard and the people of the Enterprise in general are sort of, like, sceptical of his <laughs> worth of, of, in any way. Uh, but there's a point when he, f- he finally gets hold of him and Captain Picard has to lecture him on, like... Um, the basically the values of the twenty first century don't like the things that he values from the twenty first century no longer have any meaning. Yeah. Like people people pursue ends for the sake of their own enrichment rather than like their financial enrichment kind of thing. That's what all this is about. A lot has changed in the past three hundred years. People are no longer obsessed with the accumulation of things. We have eliminated hunger, want, the need for possessions. We've grown out of our infancy.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Star Trek's funny though because specifically Next Generation, I kind of always thought of like, yeah, there are those utopian elements to it. Maybe this just shows that I'm a uncultured swine, but it's like it's still pretty militarized and pretty like.
0: I mean these are the critiques, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's yeah, it's like um, there's a degree of um, discipline to some extent, and it it shows through in the in some of the more recent incarnations. Actually, you really do really get the you get the sense in which. people are kind of clocking in and clocking out and there's a portion which is work and there's a portion which is not in hmm. some of the most recent episodes of discovery for example there are sort of like there are there are scenes in which like um there are just these of innocuous background <laughs> pieces which is like somebody talking over the 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 ship wide tannoy kind of saying like this drill for this thing has been cancelled at this time and all this group of cadets are report to this place gotcha, for this thing, gotcha, gotcha, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. and it has very much more of a kind of like regimented work feel whereas with next generation although they were they clearly like had um shift patterns kind of thing and like i i i never really got the sense from it that like anybody was remotely uh frustrated that they had to be somewhere at a given time mm. alienated in the activity or the work they were being asked to do um it is very rare obvi- that- obviously it is like a, it is a um a military vessel to some extent kind of thing um and obviously there's a degree of discipline which um probably doesn't correlate with our highest ideals of sort of emancipated society might look like but then I don't know who are we telling.
1: yeah it is very rare in, in Next Generation whenever they're like uh, uh Wharf to the uh, bridge that Wharf's like god damn
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that does seem to happen a little bit more often in some of the newer ones there is a very excellent episode of the of Next Generation where Mark Twain is brought yep. back <laughs> oh that episode oh I don't know about and, that episode um, I, I don't know about the episode in general I'm, there's just there's just a um there's an interaction that happens between Mark Twain and Diana and, uh, Troy in the turbo lift where in the space of one turbo lift journey, she manages to talk him out of the the virtues of like smoking and drinking and whatever and, um, and converts him to the high ideals of the Federation. Classic. And so.
1: <laughs> Classic. What's your favorite I episode of Next Generation?
0: Um, I don't know really i don't know i figured you would have had a stock response there yeah, 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 yeah i think
1: mine is the one where they all devolve you know what i mean and like there's like something happens Everybody is whether it's like a virus or like a parasite where everybody on board devolves into like their earlier evolutionary phases and Warf is just like this like like weird little thing and data's the only one like of course data has to yeah. save the day again
0: yeah. and have you been watching it um Kind of randomly. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've been doing a little bit of random watching of Star Trek recently, but it's been Deep Space Nine and not Next Generation. Yeah, I've never I've done a little Deep bit. Of, I, I, it's been many, many years. I did. I did engage in a process of systematically watching every episode of mm. Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager <laughs> over the space of several years, kind of yeah. thing. But I did watch them all. Um, but this is eight or seven or eight or nine years. ago. Who's your favorite captain? Um, I think Picard. But, that, but that's yeah, that, that's my that's my Star Trek kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, mean, yeah. Um... I agree, but I think that the best although captain although, is I, al- although okay, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think um, the new incarnation of Christopher Pike um, mm. in the new episodes has Good. real virtue. Interesting virtue. Um, wow. In that he's he's not he's he's um, almost inhumanly accommodating. To everybody mm. and just seems to be designed to be a sort of paragon of niceness oh, gotcha. kind of thing. Yeah. Um but not in a not in a sort of like excessive way kind of yeah. thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's kind yeah, he's he's kind of Kirk without the libido. Um, <laughs> Sounds waves <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how people never, never say Kirk really is their the the, I've never really watched the original series of Star Trek. I have watched the movies, but not really the original series. Uh.
1: I'd like to see a utopian analysis. I don't really care about the original series other than like, haha, it's goofy, funny, s- silly series. But like the movie where they go back to San Francisco. For the whales. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to see a utopian analysis of that. They're just like, what the hell? I mean, that has a lot
0: of those elements of like... <laughs> yeah. Culture, culture shock. Yeah. Of these people from the 24th century sent back to the... I mean, there are lots of episodes. There are multiple episodes where that happens. The yeah. episode where the, the, the crew of the Star Trek voy, the, a Voyager end up... Um, in nineteen ninety seven <laughs> LA or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that sort of culture shock is fun on both ways. Like yeah. um, the sort of, particularly when there's an effort, one of the characters thinks of themselves as some kind of cultural anthropologist of the time <laughs> and then proceeds to like really totally misunderstand sort of like um, sort mm. of like cultural things. Who okay, a,
1: who would who will, now we're just not talking about Jack Sibbs at all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I already know the answer to this. I don't even know what I'm gonna ask. I was gonna say, it, 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 who would win in some sort of battle? <laughs> <laughs> something from um, Warhammer 40k. Uh, okay, the answer is that, or like the Enterprise. It's something. It's the thing from 40k. Obviously. Yeah, like, just yeah, by virtue yeah, of its yeah. size.
0: Yeah, yeah, just everything <laughs> because like, yeah, everything in the Warhammer 40,000 universe is just Big. apocalyptically large. <laughs> like as a guy, just. <laughs> Yeah, it's a large thing that purely goes around <laughs> instigating apocalypses <kind> of <laughs> Exactly. Destroying everything, everything is a technology of apocalypse. Do
1: you ever yeah. think they're going to run out of planets? Do you think anyone's ever... Well, I don't know how many planets are in the galaxy, presumably a lot, yeah. but there are also a lot of stories about them
0: blowing, blowing up out planets. Of planets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also a lot of stories about them desperately trying to save planets from, like, True. ridiculous, like, yeah. hordes of enemies for yeah. no reason at all. But
1: Yeah. I would like to see a... Oh, my God, a crossover would be so dumb, where just, like, the Enterprise goes <laughs> accidentally. Itself. Like, yeah. they, go, they try to go into warp, like, they try to go to, like, warp speed, but yeah, they just yeah, go yeah. through the webway, yeah, and they're just like, where... This what is, I, this, oh. yeah, this. yeah,
0: yeah, That would be dope. Suddenly find themselves in the warp somehow.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, oh... Did you see what I sent you, by the way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah so well, there's some cool. tyrannists in that as well. Wasn't tyranids, it? But, yeah, yeah. Some tyranids briefly oh, and some orcs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Dan and I are talking about uh, Astartes, which was a uh, project of, I think, just, it started out as one guy hmm, I think doing this. It might this, still like, only be one person. I think he's outsourced some
0: stuff. He's doing a little bit now. Yeah.
1: But I think it is mainly just this one guy who's, uh, if you know anything about, warhammer you'll know what we're talking about but if you don't you won't care so i don't know why we're bringing this <laughs> up but it's this guy who started this really just like unbelievably and i mean that literally fantastic cgi yeah it's, the, it's the
0: only convincing depiction of yeah. um characters from the warhammer 40,000 universe and it is
1: mind-bogglingly seen. like well made yeah yeah, yeah yeah, it's stunning it's absolutely yeah. It's, it's yeah the things yeah. are they're very very short the whole thing is only like i don't really like 10 Minutes, maybe seven Mm. minutes, but um, yeah, they so far, yeah. He just released a kind of like very short
0: teaser trailer for his next project, and it looks awesome. If Games Workshop have any sense. Yes, they'll be contracting him to do something. At
1: the same time, though, I think his Patreon is like Isn't he doesn't it massive, say is it just blown up now. Yeah, he I've hasn't said it, yeah, 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 like yeah. he doesn't have the number of how many <laughs> how much money he's yeah, making, yeah. but it's like a minimum of like eleven thousand dollars a month, okay. and a maximum of like maybe a hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like <laughs> okay. hey, I don't think he's building be doing his that. own studio <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, very cool. Did I have any other notes very to cool.
1: talk about? I mean, I feel like there was lots
0: there was lots in that a lot's in that text, and maybe we've given and it's short shrift i don't know
1: it is Um, i will say um we're critiquing it because that's kind of like what would be the kind of point if we weren't um i think it's fantastic i love jack zipes i think his cultural theory has a lot of relevance um i think he's building upon uh the frankfurt school in a really great way and i think he's doing it the main reason i like it because he talks about things that i really enjoy Mm. right so he's also a lord of the rings nerd yes exactly (laughs) exactly um And yeah, so I like it. I really, really like it. I'll read the last paragraph, because why not, just to bring it back. He says, fantasy matters because it can enable us to resist such criminality, meaning the culture industry. And it can do so with irony, joy, sophistication, seriousness, and cunning. Whether the fantastic works that we realize become works of art will depend, obviously, on our talent, but also on our refusal to become complicit in the criminal operations of the culture industry. Hell yeah, baby. Right on. Preach. Um, endorsed. Endorsed. Yeah. Uh, Games Workshop's so dope, dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. We also endorse cool. We, endorse, anything cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, anything cool. we endorse cool, yeah. We endorse cool, yeah.
1: If it's not cool and it is spectacle, we'll be like, oh, spectacle, oh my god, it's so beneath <laughs> us, but if it's cool, hell yeah. Yeah, it's so dope. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, anything else? I think we have been a we're going to get up, so we've gone a little bit longer than we usually do, but yeah, why we've not? Gone
0: long. Yeah, we've gone long. We've gone long. Um, Congratulations on making it. So what I think is about to the end yeah congratulations,
1: congratulations. you know we can see the analytics by the way it doesn't give us names but if it's like nobody listened to the end and everyone's like oh my god I loved what you did with like do we the know whole that? thing the can ending Can you see, I have no, can I, see that. I, oh I, I have can no you, access you can see to that stuff I have no access yeah. to this yeah it's not really worth uh, looking at because okay. you'll be like oh how many people have listened to us on Google Podcasts one once and you listen to half of it <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if at there's... least he didn't like just start and then stop yeah true, exactly yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah maybe he had something to do it's true yeah. Yeah. Maybe they have something to do
0: yeah.
1: um, Cool Well that was yeah, Why Fantasy Matters Too Much By Jack Zipes um, I think we'll probably be back to the grind Pretty soon with something a little bit more Kind of meaty yeah, But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's fun I to talk about things about like this, this. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. been a blast yeah, yeah. Um, Cultural theory baby We're doing it We're going to do more
0: I think And yeah. I think I think um, It does Weave in with the other topics We've been talking about right? Sure Yeah mm.
1: um. mm. Yeah, I'd be interested to kind of go a little bit more into some kind of like psychoanalysis stuff, which is one hundred right. and fifty-five percent your ballpark, not mine. But I think that's kind of why I'd be interested in it, um, and I think because it could potentially of... share with yeah, some yeah, things
0: yeah, with yeah. Us. yeah. It's 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 difficult because um, a lot of my engagement with psychoanalysis, particularly on an, an academic level, has been to kind of argue against <laughs> ideas such as this kind of thing. Like, um, I I once wrote a dissertation mostly using a a structuralist reading of Lacan mm. um, to to argue against human creativity, and rather to argue that huh. we're sort of like quite structured True. by the sort of narratives that we've developed from we've t- we've absorbed from the world, kind of thing. Are you a post-structuralist
1: now? I don't know. I don't
0: Ooh. know. I don't Ooh. know. Been, I'm not sure what I know. Whether I know what post-structuralism means. Oh, um, uh, Rosa
1: spent the whole morning today trying to explain to me what semiotics semi the semiotic because okay,
0: there is there is one use of the word exactly semiotic in this. well that was the thing yeah, i yeah, asked yeah. her i was like, I was like what this seems like a really important sentence <laughs> exactly. like, i don't know what this word means <laughs> well that
1: was classic because i was like oh what does semiotic mean and she spent so long <laughs> trying to explain it to me and doing a fantastic uh, job yeah, and yeah. then she goes well read me the sentence right and i go uh, i read it to her and she goes Oh, that's semiotics. That's something completely different. <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> oh, no. oh boy, I'm uh, an idiot." Culture, but you're listening to the podcast. What are you doing? gonna do? Yeah. All right, uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, yeah, we never claim to be a smart person podcast. Actually. Exactly, never claim to be that. um <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, yeah. This has I been auxiliary you, statements. I hope you endorse our
0: cultural cool, cool tastes. I hope yeah, and you, if you don't, uh, whatever. <laughs> you share our sense of cool. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, that's good. Tell, us, tell us what's cool. Tell Get us contact. what's cool. Get contact. Get contact. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Get in contact. Give us a call. Dan's phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. This has been auxiliary statements. I'm Jack.
0: I'm Dan. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you very much. We'll see you next time, right? Bye-bye.